The following is a live presentation of the Commercial Appeal. Riley wasn't able to complete the game. You know, precautionarily, we uh, we held him out. We'll continue to evaluate where he's at as the week goes by. I can tell you that he wants to play. He's excited about it, and I know that Jason's preparing himself to play every snap. You never know, uh, you know when your number's going to be called, and so uh, you know, we've got a we've got a football team of guys that are all preparing to play every play. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad, Jeff Calkins, and Phil Stukenborg. All right, what's up, y'all? Last week of the regular season. Believe it or not, it feels like yesterday we were in here analyzing the first week of fall camp, and here we are, week 12, the 11th straight week that the Memphis football team has played a game, and their last before a bowl game um, to be determined here later in December. Um, full crew back in town, Jeff, Phil, basketball, still doing, still doing the basketball thing, Phil. You got some basketball questions thrown at me. <laughs> we get, yeah, hey. Let's yeah, just, when are they going to find a new beat writer? Uh, my, that's the least, that's a question I get asked, asked as much as anything. There's two. There's, what do you think of Tubby? And then there's, then we love Phil. Is he going to stay as the new as the beat writer? There you go. Yeah, it's a national search, is what I'll say. It's so a, yep, it continues. National search, right? <laughs> This is getting to be like the Passner search. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, my bile is not as good as his. Though. Yeah, exactly right. No, I mean the one when he when when Cal, the one that produced. Oh Cal yeah, Passner. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll we'll start off with kind of the the big news, I guess, in the Memphis football world. Uh, Riley Ferguson and the latest on on him and his health. Um, obviously, left the game against Cincinnati after two offensive drives. Um, didn't really get a good look at, at what happened, but Coach Norvell described it later as a hit in the midsection. Um, and we've we've asked him multiple times about what the issue is specifically, and all he said is, uh, most recently, uh, yesterday, he said there are a couple different issues. Um, so there's a lot of speculation going around of concussion-like symptoms or rib injury or whatever else. Um, we, we still don't have any confirmation on that. Um, in terms of updates, what I can provide was out of practice um, – Briefly today, um, Riley is is out there practicing. How's he moving? He looks fine. So so what happened? Does he now, look foggy of head? <laughs> not not from what I could it tell. Does not look foggy now, of head. Now what, does he look tender of rib? Not from what I could tell. now <laughs> now here here's what and this yes. is kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit. Um, it is a a competitive advantage to have uncertainty at, right. at any position for for a coaching staff and so uh practice hasn't been entirely open this week so i i haven't been out there um you know watching the entirety of of practice and, and getting a good look but from w- the parts of practice that i have seen um early on you know R- riley has taken some first team reps um he's he's looked relatively relatively okay relatively normal um so coach Norvell said today that he he showed progress yesterday as compared or today as compared to yesterday um, and they're going to make a decision before the game on Friday. Um, if you put a gun to my head and made me bet, I would say I think Riley's going to start. But who knows? You know, especially if it's if it's some of these things that aren't. You know, if it is a head injury, for example, um, a lot of times you can't tell. You know how uh, how serious it may or may not be. Um, but our betting man, I, I think he's going to be out there uh, on Friday. So that is the latest on the Riley Ferguson situation. Um, what did you guys think? from watching the game about Jason Stewart. That was the first time that we had really seen him play anything meaningful. I mean, he'd gone in and, and handed the ball off and stuff. What did you think about him as, as kind of replacing Riley and, and quarterback most of that game? In some ways it was surprising. I had seen him, you know, play in sparingly, like, you know, backing up 
Paxton in the past. But that was the he looked quite efficient and comfortable uh, in running the offense. I don't know did they did they shrink the package at all for him, but but uh, it looked like uh, he he was very comfortable in that role. Yeah, Chip Long, the offensive coordinator, said today that they did. Um, they scaled some stuff back, mostly just because of the score. Mm-hmm. You know, they already had when when Riley left the game, it was ten nothing, and then by the end of the first half, it's twenty seven nothing. I think was the score. So they were scaling back some stuff because of that. But he also said, you know, everybody has their different things that they're they're good at and things that they're comfortable with. And so one of the things that they try to do is right off the bat get some plays for Jason Stewart that they knew that he was really comfortable in and kind of help him establish a rhythm that way and. And statistically, I mean, it worked. He's 13 for 15, 138 yards, two touchdowns, looked really comfortable out there. No, I was pleasantly surprised. Again, you point out, and it's hard to know if it's the circumstances, the score, whatever. He was not required to win that game for them. Um, And so if he were in a position to have to try to win a game for them, would would it look different? But considering we've literally never seen him play, it was sort of just an afterthought. I mean, truly, I think of Jason Stewart as Paxton Lynch's buddy. Like that's mm-hmm. that's been his role on the, as a as a Tiger, pretty much. It feels like, and so it was among other things a nice story. Like the way that it worked out, he gets to play. Um, Paxton's tweeting about him. You know, I thought it was a nice story, and um, yeah, I'm with you. He was looked efficient. He did what he had to do, and. I've always said next man up. That's what I've said. That's like it's like you know <laughs> yeah. when, when Jason left, Phil steps right in and he's efficient, and it's the same basic deal. I feel know? like you've coined that phrase. I don't think I, I've, I've I, heard I said, anybody else. I, I invite. <laughs> I did invent next man up. Yep, exactly right. So yeah, I mean, I think in the main difference between Jason and Riley's obviously is that Jason is more mobile, right. um, and you're going to use him a little bit more as a runner. And I think he adds a different dimension to your offense when when he's out there. And we saw a little bit of that um, out there in Cincinnati on Friday. Uh, what were any other main takeaways that you? I mean, it was hard for me, kind of, just because I think it was a pretty straightforward game. I mean, the defense forces three three turnovers in the first half, and you jump out to a huge lead, and that was pretty much the ball game. Dorland Dorsey is early on. He looked like uh, he looked. I don't know if he he looked much better. He looked like it. Yeah, he was he was running the ball better than I've seen him in the past few games. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, is he a little bit healthier? Has he had some injuries that kind of held him back a little bit? Maybe those that aren't disclosed. But he just he seemed it seemed to stand out watching him run. Yeah, I mean, and the thing that stood out, I mean, kind of throughout the season is he he seems to run as hard or harder than most of the guys you know that they have receivers, tight ends, anybody. I mean, like he's a guy that will drag people with him every time he touches the ball. Um, I think he has been a little bit nicked up. Um, you know, I think that's just one of those things that over the course of the year, you know, no, nothing that has kept him out of a game, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, he looked he looked really good. He looked really strong. Um, that was something that stood out to me as well. Would he say he's happy with his year? Do you think if you shut him through, would shut him up with truth serum? Probably not. Um, just in terms of overall production, right. but I imagine he thought he was this was going to be a big signature year for him. Yeah. But I think it, on the on the flip side, he understands kind of having been you know under Justin Fuente, where they've always had multiple backs. Right. You know, they've they've never just been a team to have one guy be the featured back. Um, you know, that was something that we kind of entering the year said, and we were asking him, "Hey, is this your year to kind of really break out?" And that was you know, but I don't know what his expectations were if he was ever really expecting. To be it the is guy amazing carry. that they lose two running backs heading into the year, and they still have. A trio, certainly, and that's not even counting Sam Craft or whatever. But or they Pollard have, or Pollard or Pollard, yeah, not counting Sam. That they have a trio of running backs who's as good a trio as I've ever seen in the program. Um, I mean, it's fairly remarkable the depth at running back. Well, and it's you know the one kind of concern was oh you lose Jarvis Cooper. 
who's going to run the ball between the tackles, who's going to run up the middle. And now you've got Patrick Taylor, who is a true freshman, who's really, really really established himself. Yeah, a little bit faster than than Jarvis. And then, um, you know, even Dorland Dorsius has proven himself that he can run, you know, between the tackles. Um, Defensively, I think it's been really interesting, kind of the, I don't know if inconsistency is the best word, but they come out some weeks, and, and surely some of it has to do with the strength of the opponent, but they come out some weeks and they give up, you know, 40, 50 points, 600 plus yards. And then they come out another week like Cincinnati and, and hold Cincinnati to, I think it was 300 some yards. They held a good offensive team. Have they played well against a good offensive team? Depends on your definition of well and what you would consider a good offensive team. I mean, I think the Ole Miss game. I was know, about to think about the Ole Miss even, game. Even though they lost that game, I think they played they relatively there, yeah. well. Um, and given kind of the talent, just the raw talent that Ole Miss has up front at wide receiver everywhere else, I think they played relatively well in that game. Um, statistically, I don't know if that would hold up, but right. but just from the eye test, yeah, I think they played relatively yeah. well. Interesting. No, it was uh, no, it was it was. I mean, it was it was a game. By the time you you know flip it on ten minutes, felt like it's over. It was it was. It was fun to have one of those. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> like uh, you know, we had a couple early, but it's been fun to have one of those where you just you know it's done and and uh, Cincinnati lived down to all expectations. So what this, was the atmosphere that they were like? By the way, oh, it was. I was actually thinking. This must have been what it was like in the Larry Porter era, and I think somebody. Except there were more them. people there. There, there were might, more people, weren't there? There were some people. I mean, but they mostly cleared out at halftime, okay. and there were booze, and it was just this. Stadium I mean, looked nice. The stadium's really nice. Yeah, first mm-hmm. time being, going to the stadium. It's just, I mean, the whole that whole part of campus looks like it's brand oh, it's new. Like, I mean, it's, it's like beautiful. They, they poured money yeah. into that part of campus. What, but, 80, 80 something million. Yeah, but just the vibe and and. You know, you kind of had seen they'd lost, I think, five or six entering the game. They hadn't scored a touchdown in 10 quarters. You thought that maybe if things didn't get off to a good start for Cincinnati, that that atmosphere right. would come through. And, and that's people what bailed. It, people bailed real fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in the second second half. I mean, the, the place basically emptied out. Um, anyways, turning the page, I guess, a little bit to this week. Uh, it's been interesting talking to players yesterday in terms of whether they're going to use last year's game against Houston as motivation or whether or not that fuels them. I want to get your your take, but it's, you know, Arthur Mollette said, it's just another game. You know, last year was last year, this year is last year. And then Gabe Kuhn comes up right after him and says, that one really sucked, I think was, was his quote. Right. He said, look, I'd be lying if I said that I put that one behind me afterwards. You know, that's one of those losses that sticks with you and that you think about and that I'm still thinking about. Do you think that that is an advantage for this team? Do you think that's something that they can they can use and gives them a better shot this year or do you think it's not a factor it almost seems like a it, it's a different you know a different situation uh, and now you're going at this point you're, you're trying to get to eight wins uh get this team into a better bowl uh last what last year it was a whole different scenario when you when you played houston it was a 20 point lead 20 point lead in the fourth quarter in the fourth quarter um so with this team and and if they can get you know eight wins for Mike Norvell, it's just I think it's it's just a little bit. Uh, yeah, seems like I, a different I don't thing. think it really. I mean, I'm not saying I, I can't speak to how the individual players are motivated by it. I can tell you, I don't think you can't get back what was lost in that game last year. You know that it's always going to sting. Beating them this year won't make that not sting. You had the lead there. Yeah. You you there were you were potential in the mix for conference championship bowls, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can't get that back. And that loss was that loss. Um, 
So, and then whether the, the, so, so I can tell you this. I won't, in my column, if they happen to win, I won't say big revenge game for the Memphis. I just don't think that's the theme from, from my perspective. Individually, certain players might be, might be inspired. I have a hard time thinking it has much to do with anything. Honestly, I think if there's any advantage that Memphis has here, it's A, being at home is nice. And then B, I do wonder if the Tom Herman stuff is, you know, if that's an advantage, I also also wonder how many Texas writers are going to be like, are people going to be at this game right. from out of town because it is perceived as Tom Herman's last game as the Houston head coach? I, 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 I think the distraction possibilities of that are, might be more uh, might be more uh, of a factor in Memphis's favor than Memphis's own, you know, revenge motive. I would think that if Jake Elliott kicks six field goals. You might be writing a little bit about Jake wins it with a game winner. We'll be writing about that. But even then, I'm not sure it's revenge as right. much as it, it's like he thought about that all off season. Yeah. Right. He, I mean, I wrote a piece earlier in the year where the interesting thing about it was, is on that kick. Like normally you would think, well, I just caught it a little left. Or I just caught a little right. Or I just like, whatever. I just hooked it a little bit or whatever, spun it. And he basically said, if I kicked that, had to kick that kick a hundred times, I would have kicked it exactly that way a hundred times. It just didn't go through, and um, so it was interesting. Like he's beating himself up about it and haunts him, but he also knows he did everything exactly the way he would have done it again. Yeah, that's how it goes sometimes. The other the other question that I wanted to ask: um, Houston obviously beating Louisville. I don't know if I, I certainly didn't think that they that was going to happen. That they had a chance in that game. Does that? hurt or help them because when you think back to last year the the Ole Miss game with Memphis you know obviously when they came back from that they went on the road at Tulsa and they ended up winning the game but it's it's tough to come down from such a huge emotional high it it provides momentum in some ways but it also it's just hard to kind of recover from that and refocus do you think that that is an advantage for Houston having won that game or do you think that it puts them kind of in a in a weird way at, at a little bit of a disadvantage that's two games. I guess they've beaten two top five teams yep. this year, and and they didn't do so well coming off the last one. So, uh, I, yeah, I think I think there's so much going on. Uh, if they if they were playing that game as if it were you know like their playoff game, then this one may be a little bit of a letdown. Yeah, to me, um, I don't know how Houston will react. It's the only. It, it's clearly a good thing for Memphis that they beat Louisville. It it elevates the game. People care more about the game if you can beat them it's more impressive um so and 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 also th- i think not that memphis necessarily needed this to get their attention but the houston game coming in like had they not beaten louisville this game would be kind of eh. it's a disappointing houston team and whatever mm-hmm. now in terms of fans in terms of nationally and in terms of the memphis players themselves it's a houston team that just crushed louisville like it's a big deal, and so I think for the profile of the game, it clearly helps that they beat Louisville. And and whether Houston's able to bottle that twice in a row, you, you I, I don't know. But I think um, clearly a good thing uh, for the game itself that it unfolded that way. Yeah, gonna be nationally televised, full nationally to ABC, full right? and national. I don't know, that ABC. wouldn't happen had they not beaten Louisville, and so. Um, all of that's good. I also have no problems. It's funny with the time, the eleven o'clock. People ask me, did, did they think the eleven a.m time slot uh you know i don't know i know what time slots i don't like i don't like one o'clock 
in August and September. <laughs> you know, I don't like that. And I honestly don't like night games so much now because they're cold. Like people, like I think an 11 o'clock game, I don't know what people are going to be at 11 o'clock on Friday. Some will be sleeping still. Some will be shopping, whatever. Right. Two might have been better or something, but I think one's fine. I can tell you this between one and th- three, it's going to be warm. It's going to be as warm as it is. Any, you know, I mean, I, I don't hate the time. You, you don't get the tailgate as long as if it were a late afternoon game. But I don't think it's an excuse for people to stay home if uh, the fact that it's an 11 o'clock game. I think nationally televised, the whole schmeal, ABC. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I don't mind it at all. Well, I think the ABC thing is huge, too, because it's not just being on ABC. It's also that's one of those days. I mean, I don't. This might just be my personal experience, but the day after Thanksgiving is a lot of times you do the Black Friday shopping, but a lot of times you're just laying around the house. You're yep. just flipping through channels, and that's that's a, an opportunity, I think, for the program to get in front of some eyes that, that might not have otherwise seen it. So see if they can take advantage of it. You guys give them a chance. What do you, what do you think is going to happen in the game? I, you know, I, I almost don't, <laughs> but, but if Ferguson is back and healthy – and you've got Dorsey surrounding like he did last week and the defense that played like it did early. Um, you can get some momentum going. Yeah, you might be able to knock off a team that may be like Memphis was late last year with, with you know, Fuente one step out the door. So, yeah, I certainly wouldn't predict it. I'm not going to predict that Memphis will win, but it wouldn't stun me if Memphis wins. And let's be honest, the team, I think, has had a really good year. Um, they've been – consistently competitive they play good they play very well against when they play good teams and uh, except navy and um and uh and so you know but 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 like all of us we picked them to win seven games before the year began Mm -hmm. so this was a loss and i'll stick with it and say they will win seven games this year and they will lose this one and and uh and i'll give you the numbers on our next podcast the the uh the uh, Powerball numbers on our next podcast. <laughs> what is what is the uh, the attendance uh, issue situation here? I think they could finish second in the conference in, in total attendance. Is is that? Are you aware of that? I, I think that's right. Yeah, behind East Carolina. Yeah, I, I have to say that whole Big Twelve thing was a freaking joke. <laughs> really- I mean, it, it, a freaking <laughs> joke that they were thirteenth. It's just a freaking joke, right? It's it, whether it's the basketball program, whether it's football program, whether it's how much right. people in the community care, whether it's corporate support, whatever else, they literally just wanted to be able to raise, stick their noses in the air, and say they're too good for Memphis. That's a freaking joke. Do you still think it was one through like twelve, and they were thirteen? Do you think they had ranked them like one? Through I don't 12? know if they ranked them one yeah. through twelve. I think I'm, they. I think they early. I think they did decide Memphis wasn't gonna. Right. We're gonna send a signal. We're gonna cut Memphis for whatever reason. F them. <laughs> You know, it's just insane. I mean, it's, it I say is. it because they're second in attendance. You know, I mean, like, you know, I, it's. I have always said that this program gets people care about this program in the city. You mm-hmm. know, and it's one of the things that it's one of the things that it has in common with Louisville is that it, that it owns a city. Most places don't own a city. You know, um, they own a. You know, they they just. It, it, it's almost Tulane more. Tulane doesn't own New Orleans. Houston doesn't right. own Houston. Most Cincinnati doesn't own Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But the University of Memphis matters in Memphis, and you have an opportunity to get that. And I think it's 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 bizarre to me that they don't recognize it. The crowd thing. We've said this a thousand times. It feels like even on the podcast. I mean, it's just relative to the size of the stadium, and even you know Tom Herman like threw a little bit of shade. I guess you could say threw a little bit of shade in his in his press conference with reporters yesterday, where he said. Um, you know, we're preparing. We know there's going to be some empty seats, and we're going to have to generate some energy. And and sometimes, you know, if you 
bring 30, 35,000, you have a 55 seat, thousand right. seat stadium. I mean, it feels a little bit emptier than it actually is. And then you go to Cincinnati and that stadium's 40,000 or 39,000. And if Memphis had a stadium like that, they'd be filling it every week. They'd, yeah. they'd be having overflow. So it is interesting just kind of relative to the size of the stadium too, how that all works out because it, it is kind of, you know, we talk about like, oh, you know, they should be getting 40,000 or I know Jeff, you haven't said that, but it's kind of, you know, there's been a push, you know, oh, we need to be over 40 all the time. Well, what they've been doing this season, you know, if it's as, as high as, you know, second in attendance, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. And it's second attendance without an Ole Miss, without, a, you know, yeah, sure. without some big signature team that came in here. Yeah. Sounds like a little Tom Herman dig, too, right? A, li- a little bit. Oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, the last thing I want to get to, and then we'll get out of here, and this is kind of a trivia question. We had it in the mailbag last week. I thought it was interesting. Just want to get your thoughts. Um, the question was from our, our old digital editor, Gary Robinson. He said, if the 2015 Memphis team, before it had lost to Navy, so they've won 15 straight games, they got all the momentum and everything, were to play this 2016 Memphis team, what would happen? And basically what I said is, I think the 2015 team would win because of Paxton. Um, I think it would be a high-scoring game, 42-38, I think is what I said for the hypothetical score. Um, but I think that Paxton would just, you know, it would basically just be a shootout kind of a la the Tulsa game last year where you're just trading touchdowns all up and down the field. But I was curious to get your thoughts. Do you think, what, what do you think would happen? Do you think it would be a close game, a blowout? What What do you think? No, I think, I think as you, just like you do, I think with Paxton Lynch and with People like Alan Cross there. I, I think that that team would win and put up a lot of points. What I think I would like to see, and if Gary's listening, uh, I would like to see the 2003 team with D'Angelo and Danny Wimpron. I'd like to see them play the Paxton Lynch team. That might be kind of fun to watch. Ooh, um, I you know I think I think the Paxton Lynch team would win. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do think the the defense is better this year. Mm-hmm. I think the kickers is pretty much a wash. Um, <laughs> Jake, Jake, and Jake, booming fifty-two yarders each back and forth. Um, but um, yeah. In the end, you gotta like, you gotta figure. Paxton roll out, hit Allen Cross just like Jameis Winston did, and they and the you know, Mo's and you know, I I I think that team is marginally better, but I don't know that it's dramatically better. Um. You know, it was a different Temple team last year, but this team certainly handled Temple better than that team. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the scores, I don't know that it suggests that this is a dramatically worse team. Do you? I mean, neither one could handle Navy. Um, we'll see what happens with Houston. Um, uh, I guess the the Tulsa game turned out differently. Mm-hmm. You know, but but um, I, yeah, I I take Paxton's team. So would I. All right, we'll get out of here. Everybody enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday. Um, shout out to Alan Cross. He just slipped shout that in there. First NFL touchdown catch. That's pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, we we will be back uh, sometime soon, before or after the bowl game, to uh, to wrap up the season. Thanks as always for listening. We will talk to you soon. Unlimited access anytime, anywhere, on any device. A commercial appeal digital subscription makes a great gift. And now as low as just $4.99 a month. That's a whole month of unlimited access for less than a cup of coffee. Choose from digital and home delivery options now at commercialappeal.com slash subscribe. This is the Commercial Appeal.